Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. It's not about his being buried. It's not so much about how many or who saw him afterwards. He had to be seen to prove the resurrection. Here's what it is. You don't have a burial unless you have a death. What I mean by that is we do not bury live people. We only bury dead people. So when you bury someone, that substantiates that someone died. So the burial proves there was a death. Component number one, in order for us to be saved, Jesus Christ had to die. Then it says he, was, he rose again and he was seen. What proves that he was risen again was that he was seen. All right, so the burial proves a death. Being seen alive proves that he was dead and that he resurrected again. So the two most specific parts of the gospel is this. Jesus Christ died and then he rose again. Now that's God's part. He's the author of it. Then he became the gospel in the person of Christ. He died and then he rose again. He was buried because he died. He was seen alive to prove that he was resurrected. That's the meaning of the gospel. It means good news because Jesus did that for us. We didn't have to do that to get to heaven. What's the third component here of what the gospel is? And that's the emphasis now. That's the emphasis. The whole emphasis of what Christ did now for us is that he says, I'm doing this because I'm gracing you or I'm giving you grace. This is my grace to you. So the emphasis is grace. There's a great phrase. It's called the grace of God. Help me with this verse, all right? For by blank are you saved through faith. What's that? For by grace are you saved through faith. Now, that word grace is used a lot. And then you have what is known as a lady named princess who? Grace, Grace, okay? Those of you that pay your bills through credit cards or your mortgages... Some of your credit card companies and some of your mortgage company gives you a very brief period of time that you can get it in after it's due, and that's called a what? Grace period, okay? That's a little grace period that you get. We as Christians, we believe the same thing, but it goes like this. Instead of having a grace period, we have grace, period. That's all there is. When God says it's only by my grace, you don't earn my grace, I grace you, there's nothing you can do. I'm giving this to you free. So God says to us, he says, I'm going to give you the citizenship in heaven. There's no test to take. There's no vows you have to make essentially. He says, all you're doing is coming to me because I'm going to allow you into my heaven. So very carefully, there are no walls that are built. There are no fences that are built. There's nobody on shotguns up there. I want you to know that God says that he says, I'll let any one of you come in. Now let me pause for a moment. Because this does go on radio and these are being downloaded on our website, there may be someone on a lonely road tonight that's hearing this message and they're feeling like, I am so bad, there's no way I can get into heaven. I've been rejected by everybody. Everything I've tried to do fails and God will probably fail me too. I want you to know that the very person that is speaking to us about a dual citizenship on the earth and in heaven is named Paul. Paul was a person who in his unchristian, non-Christian days was so wicked that in his cause for his love for God, not Christ, he looked for Christians, innocent Christians, and he would then take them 
he would then hold them hostage, bring them to jail, and oftentimes he would persecute them so badly that at one time, one great leader of the Christian uh, uh, church was stoned to death, and he held the clothes of the people who were stoning him. He was a blasphemer, evil person. And yet, watch this now, watch this. In the passage of Scripture, it says God chose to save Paul, give him a citizenship in heaven so that Paul would become a wicked person but an object lesson of God's grace so everybody can see if I can save Paul, I can save you and me. So those of you that are saying, I want to go to heaven, I do not want to spend eternity in my other citizenship of hell, I want you to know it is by God's grace. He will grace you if you simply trust him and receive it. So the emphasis is not our works, it is totally by God's grace. Let's look at number four. There's power involved in this. It's unique because the word power is the word dunamis. Sometimes it's combined with another Greek word, which is in dunamis, which means in power. The word dunamis, uh, we've later on in history, I believe it was the Chinese, I'm not sure exactly, but they uh, invented dynamite. And when they did that, it wasn't like there was dynamite. And they said, oh, there's dynamite. We have to find a word for it. Let's call it power. It was more like this. They have a word called dunamis that meant power. And that word was so powerful of a word, they thought, what are we going to call this stuff? And they called it dynamite for the word power. So it actually works in reverse. Now, you're probably wondering, why am I saying all of this to you? Why does power factor into the gospel? All right, let me see if I can show it to you this way. In Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says that everybody who has a dual citizenship, when they're born, they have a citizenship on planet Earth and a citizenship in hell. They are known as being dead in trespasses and sins. That means they could be alive, they can sing and be healthy and all that stuff, but according to their citizenship in heaven, they're separated from their citizenship in heaven because they're not going there. They are so dead in that. And then it says that because they're so dead in this, there's nothing they can do to make them alive. They can say they're a member of heaven. They can talk all about it. They can dress the clothes, put Jesus stickers all over their car. They can do all of that stuff, but they're still dead. Now watch this. They are so dead in that citizenship of hell and not in heaven that there's no power in them or any other human that could ignite this dead person. Only God can do that when they trust Christ as Savior. So when it talks about the gospel, the gospel has an author, the gospel has meaning. It also has an emphasis, but there's something else in there. The gospel also has the unique power to take a person who's been so wicked, so lost, so dead, so ignorant, and still say, I'm going to give you life, eternal life. Now, it's so cool in that passage, because when it's talking about Jesus being dead, and that he now is dead, it says he was a live human being, he then died, he was buried, then he came back to life again, power. It set him above all people. Then it set him above every principality in heaven. So it took the same dead, 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 dead Jesus, gave him life, because we don't see that happening anywhere, anywhere else but through Jesus. That's power there. That's the symbolic personification of real power through Christ. Now say with me now. We are dead. And he says, the gospel has the power to do the same thing to you that he did with Paul. So with Jesus, the grace came to Paul to show you if God can do it with Paul, he can do it with you. Power says you can have the same power to go to heaven and have a citizenship in heaven because the same power that I give to Christ, I'm going to give to you. You have two people as examples that God says, I did it for them and I'll do it for you. Now let me quickly say this because some of you are going to track this way. Are you saying that Jesus was lost, 
and he had to be saved when he died? No, I'm not saying that, folks, okay? If you think I said that, I'll pray you get hiccups the rest of your life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying he's an example of power. And I have to tell you, I am so glad for that. And there's power not only to go to heaven, but there's also power that stays in our life today to do things differently. I would like to just uh, give you a parenthesis. There's a group of guys that are meeting faithfully on Thursday nights. And I've watched a couple of the light bulbs come on on the lives of these men where they've transferred their citizenship. They kept it here in the United States, but they changed their citizenship from hell to the citizenship in heaven. And I know they did it because they went through the door of the gospel, but I know that they're saved because there's a unique power that they have so changed their life. They've had such a breakthrough that I know something happened spiritually because I see something happening in their lifestyle today. That's power. And so some of you right now, and this is important for you, some of you might be shackled with some issues in your life today that you've tried to stop it. You know those are habits. They're wrecking your family. They're wrecking your business. They're wrecking your relationships. They're wrecking your finances. And you're just are struggling with this. Now, I want you to know, you can go all the self-help stuff you want to. You can read all the books, take all the medicine you like, see all the counselors you like. But I guarantee, apart from God, it's just going to be sin management. And eventually, God will allow the consequences of you not going through his door, and it'll be in your life. And so if you want the power to change, the first step is to receive Christ as your Savior. And once you do that, you now have the power source to go to the next level. Not to get saved, not to stay saved, but because you are saved. Let's look at the fifth word. The word is implication there. The implication. So what is the implication? Well, it's a very important implication. It's an implication that you do need to trust Christ as your Savior. So the gospel is not just given for facts, it's given for us to respond. Would you say that with me out loud, everyone? And I'll say it again, then we'll have you say it together. The gospel wasn't given just for us to have facts, it was given to us to respond. All right, let's say that again. The gospel was not given to us just for facts, it was given to us to respond. Now let's equate that back to the Constitution. Now, I can tell you right now that I could say the Constitution. I went to a lot of websites on the Constitution. People in other countries can go through our Constitution and all of that and how to become a citizen. They could understand all the meaning of it, but that doesn't mean they become a citizen of the United States of America, that there is a correct rite of passage. Now, there are many people today in your secular universities, they can even teach comparative religion and put Christianity as one of their modules. They can tell you all about Christianity. I'm not always sure how accurate it is, but... They can talk about it, but that doesn't mean that they have a citizenship up in heaven. So here's where I'm going with it. This whole gospel that God's talking about through Paul here to us is simply this. He wants you to know that he's the author. He wants you to know the meaning means good news and he died and rose again. He wants you to know how important this is to you and me, but he wants it so that we would respond to that gospel. The implication is I did it so you do something with this thing. It's not just so you know about it. It's not just so we can intellectually debate with people. So it's something that we choose to do with it. Let me see if I can help you with it, this illustration. How many of you have ever been driving in traffic, or maybe better yet, maybe at a, at a, at a uh, traffic light, and it's red, and you do what you're supposed to do. You stop at the red light, and for whatever reason, you, you're not paying attention, and the light turns green. Usually what happens when the light turns green and you aren't paying attention? What happens? What happens? They honk at you, right? They blow their horn at you, okay? And why do they blow their horn at you? They're impatient. And so they're going to keep blowing until you do what? Move, right? So what is their ultimate purpose of blowing their horn? Not to demonstrate that they're impatient. They're demonstrating something they want you to do, which is what? 
keep moving. So let's stay with me on this. The gospel was given to us, and right now the Holy Spirit, for some of you, you're at a crossroads in your life. You're understanding that that light might even be green, but you're not paying attention. God has brought circumstances into your life right now. He might even be bringing you to a point of questioning God. And right now, this message is a honk, 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 honk to you. God is kind of saying, listen, folks, the implication is you need to respond to the gospel. You need to trust Christ. The interesting thing is this. I've been behind some of those people that have stopped at a green light in front of me. And sometimes I'll blow my horn. Sometimes it's because I'm impatient, frankly, and I got to get going. They're, They're holding me up. That's not a good attitude, but I have that. Sometimes I'd like them to know that it's okay for you to go forward. Sometimes I want them to do that for another reason that we often overlook. You know what that is? Because we who are in this car, and the light is green, and we're stopped, we don't want to hear this sound. And that means someone's going to do what? Smack into the back of us. So we get them to move on. Do you know that right now the Holy Spirit may be tooting his horn right now for you because he knows that you could be in a situation that could cause you great destruction. Only God knows that. I'm not here telling you that. But the implication of the gospel is for you not only to know it, he says it's to respond to it, and that's important. Let's go to number six. Now, here's what he did because the gospel is so important for us to have that citizenship in heaven, is he didn't hide this from us. He then had everybody who is a citizen of heaven who's not in heaven yet He said, I want you to tell everybody else who's not a citizen that we want you to become a citizen. Now, I know there's a great deal of debate, and I've been following a lot what's been going on with the government on whether we should keep out the illegal aliens and what we should make them do and why it's not good, and I understand all about the geocities and all that kind of stuff. I'm still sorting that all out. I'm developing my philosophy of that, but look up here for a second. Look up here. I may not be able to change my first citizenship and what's going on in my citizenship in the United States. But there's where the difference is. The citizenship in heaven is God saying, hell is never full, and I want as much people in heaven now as I possibly can, and so I'm going to make known how you can become a citizen. So he wants no one to spend eternity separated from him, essentially. He wants them to be in heaven. So he has created spokesmen. Now, I'm speaking to those of you who know Christ as Savior. So what we really need to be doing is telling as many people as we possibly can about Jesus. The ultimate result, one of them, is that they'll have a place in heaven. But I pray that we'll do that. Look at the passage of Scripture here that I picked out. There's a couple of them. Would you follow along? It says here, Paul, a bondservant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to what, everyone? The gospel of God. So he's separated to the gospel. In other words, I want people to know about populating heaven through the door of the gospel. But now he says something very, very, very important. He says, for if I preach the gospel, that just means herald the gospel, share the gospel over lunch with someone, it could be. I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid on me. In other words, I can't brag that I'm telling people about the Lord. I have to do this. The necessity is laid upon me. I need to tell people about how to go to heaven. Yes, woe is unto me if I do not preach the gospel, if I don't tell my friends about him. For if I do this thing willingly, I'll have a reward in heaven. But if it's against my will and I still tell people, it doesn't really matter. I've been entrusted with the responsibility of populating heaven by telling other people about that. So God has called us to do that. And so, folks, those of you who know Christ as Savior, while I'm so grateful that I live in the United States of America, I also have to tell you that I'm more excited that I'm going to heaven because we'll never make 
the U.S. heaven. But heaven is so much better for us. And so with that in mind, I want as many people to go there as I possibly can because Jesus wants them up in heaven too. And how glorious that is. So my question is this. Since God says the gospel is the center, are you gospel-centered and are you gospel-driven so that Jesus will get glorified in heaven by more people being there? And I really pray that be the case. Maybe I could share this illustration about how excited we can be about heaven. Um, most of you that are involved in secular music in some measure, I'm going to move it away from classical music right now, and I'd just like to talk about some of our ethnic music, and I'll pick out two types of ethnic music, all right? You have one kind of ethnic music that might be called our heartland music, which would be known as C&W, which is country western. And you listen to a lot of country western songs, and you'll hear that a lot of it is about... Uh, uh, you know, being a bug on the windshield of life and everything is bad and everything is horrible and, you know, your girlfriend left you for the dog or whatever, I don't know, just all that kind of music. You listen to other kind of music and it's kind of happy little music about what they're singing about. You might have the jazz from New Orleans and all of that. But there's something unique about Hawaiian music. Now, I know that it comes out of the culture and maybe some of that culture is the love of the land and the love of our, our beauty that we have here. And we could almost worship the creation more than the creator. But one of the aspects about Hawaiian music is that we really love this. We love our people. We love different parts of the island. And so when you hear Hawaiian music on the mainland, people just see Hawaii as a very romantic place to be because the music is so much romantic and special about our land here. It lifts you up in many ways. And I know there's troubles here in, in Hawaii at places, but here's where I'm going with it. It is special. A lot of people like to listen to Hawaiian music for that. But as good as Hawaii is, what we have in heaven is so much better. And so when we do this with our Hawaiian music, let's also talk to people about how wonderful heaven is. And I imagine there'd be a whole lot more people that would like to go there, which now ends with number seven. You can have a lot of spokespeople, and they can tell people about the Lord, but they forget that the gospel also comes with appeal. And the word is appeal there. In other words, it's not just being around people and just saying the gospel is coming with a degree of passion. Now, it doesn't mean take yourself out of your personality and become someone you're not, but it does mean, do you really care about heaven? So when the gospel has, now this is really critical, if the gospel has an author and it's about God, and while it involves him dying on the cross, it also involves us engaging into the gospel the ultimate, watch this now, the ultimate end result of the gospel isn't that we have fire insurance and is going to heaven. The ultimate result of the gospel is it began with God and it ends with God getting all the glory back to him. So our purpose of coming to know Christ as Savior, sure we get to be citizens of heaven, but what does that mean? I get to heaven and when I get there, it's all about Jesus. Gazillions of people, I don't know how many, more than we can number, will be there worshiping the Lord. Yeah, I've escaped hell. I don't go to hell and I have a place in heaven, but I'm up there because I want to worship him. Why? Because he's the author of the gospel. He's the one through Christ who died and rose again. It's his power that got me into heaven. It's the implication that it's more than just knowing it orthodoxy, head knowledge, but I've trusted him as my savior. And I want to tell other people, and frankly, I am so grateful for Carol, who was a spokesman with an appeal, and boy, she's appealing. She gave me that message, and I trusted Christ. And that's this appeal. Look as it says it here in scripture. I, I, I could have never written this like the Holy Spirit has through Paul. And he says this, 
Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Woo! Woo! What a cool word. An ambassador, which represents another country, which is heaven. So we become citizens of heaven, living still on the earth, representing heaven for Christ. And then it says, as though God were pleading through us. Would you circle that? So when we're telling people about our land of, of heaven, our citizenship is in heaven about God, we're here on earth temporarily for heaven. We're pleading with them, but we're not just pleading. We're letting God plead for them through us. And then it says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So he's just not up there diddly-bopping his message. He is passionately saying, we implore you with this message. And I think sometimes, and this is Pond's opinion here, and so you don't have to accept it, but I think this, that sometimes we are so far away from the time that we trusted Christ the Savior that we're so just relaxed now in our salvation. We forgot what it meant when we first understood the good news. We forgot what it means to really be lost and confused and guilt-ridden and questioning why we're here. We forgot all of that. So we've lost that implorement. We've lost that desire to really shake people, so to speak. And I don't mean that physically, but we really have the passion to share them with the message. And I pray that we never get that way. And that's why Paul is saying, as though God were pleading through us. So it's not us having to manufacture some self-motivation. It's saying, all right, Lord, nobody loves these lost people more than you. And so, Lord, you, through us, will implore them for you as an ambassador of God. Now, those of you who are on radio, you don't know that um, Hell's Angels just drove by. No, this bunch of motorcycle guys went by. And what a perfect illustration. Instead of looking upon them as being wicked, lost, crazy, motorcycle-riding sinners, do you know that nobody loves those people more than Jesus does? And they need Jesus Christ as Savior. And I hope that someday that this parking lot will be filled with bikers and boarders for the surfers and business people and retired people and tourists and illegals and anybody else who wants to be here. Because our citizenship isn't here, so we don't care about all that junk. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we want them to go there. So here's your action steps. Because the gospel is so important, that's why we want to be good citizens. We'll talk about that next week. Therefore, leaning on Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins so I can go to heaven. Do you commit to do that? I pray that you do. If not, you don't have your citizenship in heaven yet. I pray that you'll commit to learning what the Bible says and how to please the Lord as a good citizen of heaven. That you'll commit to living my life in God's power to help other people in need, because sometimes it takes extra grace to do that. And then leading others to faith alone in Jesus Christ. My goodness, bringing other people into heaven, into their new citizenship. I really love you folks, and I want you in heaven, and I know I'm going there. And it's not because of anything I've done. It's because of God's authorship of my way to get there. And then Jesus died and he rose again for me and it was proved through his birth and his resurrection and others seeing him alive afterwards. And folks, you can go to heaven. It's so, so available for you right now. Remember, the emphasis is on God's grace. No matter what you believed or how long you have worshipped other gods or other isms, I want you to know God loves you. It's not so much that your past belief system totally wasted, but it does mean that the next step is for you now to come full circle into Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's the emphasis. 
God's grace. Now the power to help you do that is going to be found in Christ. He's the one who brings it to you. The Spirit of God convicts you, helps you to understand this. You become born again supernaturally. I can't even explain that act of being born again, but it's powerful, and God did it for you. The implication is for you not to just know this message, but to respond to it. The gospel. Spokespeople, someone told Carol the gospel. She told me the gospel. Some of you have heard the gospel from me and now take that same gospel and become a spokesman to someone else. The purpose of the gospel is not only about you, it's about bringing glory to the Lord by as many other people as possible. So tell them about them. And the appeal is to do it until the day we die and to do it as being a gospel-centered and a gospel-driven person for the glory of God. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.